This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. It is uh, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. I got crossed up, honestly, midday today, Sandy, because uh, you've done that before. I did the morning show, morning drive with uh, Bruce Hurdle. That was a tremendous amount of fun. If you missed any part of that, you can go to MileHighSports.com or on the free Mile High Sports uh, app. So I was thinking, no, wait, it's got to be later in the week. No, that's because this is just four shows in two days. So I- I'm getting it. Uh, I'm always questionable on the date, ordinarily anyway. But uh, but yes, we're, we're Tuesday. But you're straightened out now. I've got it that's now. Thank you, computers and phones of which as we speak. Yes. Okay. Yes. August 15th. August 15th. The, the Ides of August, if you will. Yeah. Uh, if you yeah. used such terms, yeah. but uh, the the Denver Broncos find themselves twenty six days from opening day. Yeah, and uh, it goes quickly. You know, we're into now preseason week two, a week in which the starters are expected to play more than they did. And uh, even though I think it's it, it's interesting, I've probably had the same conversations that you had with with uh, friends and colleagues that have been you know shocked at how much the Broncos played their starters. But the truth of the matter is, I think zooming out from that, and we've explained it. John Payton said prior to game one, he expected the starters to get 16 to 18 snaps. They got 20 because you wanted them to finish the drive off, which is what you do. You're not going to well, pull. You're not going to pull everybody on after second down. My my, it my was more feeling, odd that it took that I, long to get to 20. I think that snaps. possession was going to be whether they scored or not. That was it. Their last possession. However, had they scored on any. Over their first three, they wouldn't have been out there for the last possession playing against second teamers on a club that has the worst, without question on defense, the worst first-string defense in all of football. And the first-string defense completely outplayed the Bronco first-team offense. The Bronco first-team offense did get the better of the second-team Arizona defense on that touchdown drive. And that's why I am reserving all of the kudos that have been thrown Russell Wilson's way uh, for completing barely half his passes and throwing one touchdown pass against no interceptions. I mean, uh, he didn't do anything against the first team. Uh, Arizona outfit, and I understand. Nor did his first team offensive line block for him. I, I understand that. I think that's part of it. They didn't block for uh, Stidham, Stidham either, either. <laughs> and nobody's making excuses for Stidham. No, myself included. Stidham was awful, but you know what? He complete. He he threw two more passes than Wilson did, and he completed two fewer passes than Wilson did. Uh, I, so, in a statistical sense, there wasn't really that much of a difference. He threw an interception that was tipped. Uh, it, it, that's that's on him. I mean, him there's a big difference in passer rating. But he wasn't. For I'm, Wilson, I'm 16 just, for I, I, I know, but that it, 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 that's because he threw a touchdown pass on his final. You look at his rating before his final pass. It wasn't anywhere near 102.4. It would have been uh, not quite as good as Danucci. You finished with exactly. six, 57 the yards, seven and out of nine, not The best-looking quarterback. See, if you're I, going ones, ones, twos, twos, and three, threes, the best-looking Bronco quarterback was the third quarterback. I'm not saying that makes him the best quarterback. I'm saying that says more about how bad the first two looked 
than it does about how good Danucci looked. Danucci, on the touchdown drive in particular, was far more impressive than the, the first two guys were. And you say, well, he's playing against third stringers. Yes, he's playing with third stringers, too. And he is a third stringer. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. <laughs> okay. But I thought, and you did, too, that he played better than Stidham did. But why was Stidham so demonstrably worse than Wilson if neither had pass protection? Well, I mean, you say the same level. In fact, it might have been worse for Stidham. If anything, that it, it was. may be, but I think Wilson. the difference is that this Wilson's a better quarterback. I, I'm not. I'm not as down on so, Wilson's so we're, performance we're, we're as you are. We're fired up about that, and it, it it's back to my theme, and I I've, I've posted on this I, I, at the athletic site. I like Nick Cosmider, but man, does he give the Broncos every benefit of the doubt? And he stops just short of putting them in the playoffs as a guaranteed playoff team but he's stopping just short of that. Every excuse in the world is trotted out, and my response to that was Nathaniel Hackett had a lot of excuses last year too, and everybody bought it. Media more than fans, but most everybody bought the excuses. Hey, it's preseason. Hey, the offensive line is new. Hey, it's not completely intact because we don't have our starting right tackle. New coach, Billy new Turner's system, good. new install. It's yeah. all new. All the excuses were there, and they were lapped up by the media and a certain uh, quite gullible portion of the fan base, which should know better after seven years of lousy football, uh, to accept what the Broncos tell you at face value. Just because Sean Payton says Russell Wilson was sharp the other night doesn't mean he was. Nathaniel Hackett never criticized Russell Wilson for any of his performances last year. Are we supposed to have taken his word on faith, too? Uh, Don't believe your lying eyes. Believe what I tell you. And in a larger sense, that's what's wrong with our country right now. We have too many people telling us, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you hear. Believe what I tell you. And take that at face value, not 99.9%, 100% of the time at face value. And the Broncos don't deserve, frankly, anything that resembles the benefit of the doubt. Uh, my list of problems on Saturday night start with pass protection. Second is quarterbacking. And third is the kicking game because... The kicking game can be fixed, and they went sort of halfway today by cutting. Actually, the, the one guy, guy who made, a, made a field goal, made a kick the other night. Uh, In L.A. Well, Fry. They both made extra points. Maher right? made extra points. Or, yeah, Maher made the extra points. Sorry, Fry, Fry made the 55 Fry yard. made the Fry released today for a long snapper, replacing him on the right. roster, which I think is interesting as well, given the fact that one of Maher's kicks was blocked. That, that didn't appear to be anything about the snap or the hold. As a matter of fact, the, the, the broadcast uh, went over that again, actually, when it was blocked and couldn't find any reason to, right. to believe there was anything wrong right. with it. it but, fault. but they are it, clearly looking it, into bringing in a uh, well, different long snapper you know, as well. That's fine. So I mean, I, 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 we, neither of us have ever heard, and I doubt anybody in our audience has ever heard of this guy they brought in. You uh, might not know Mitchell Fraboni, who's there right now, oh, so uh, that's okay. okay. Yeah, That's all right. Uh, but in... in in order, yes, pass protection is the issue, but this is the same organization 
that both last year and this year, and for three years prior to that, let's see, for three years prior to that, it was Mike Munchak's the offensive line coach, so the offensive line must be good. Then last year it was we've got a new offensive line uh, in some places, and we've got uh, a burgeoning star or two on that offensive line. How did that work out? Uh, in many ways, the worst offensive line performance, particularly in relation to pass blocking, in all the NFL last year. And now we're being told, uh, not just by the Broncos, in fact, but by uh, our friends at ESPN, that uh, the Broncos have one of the best 10 offensive lines. Why do you in the think NFL. that is? Why do you think that's what you're seeing? Why do because you think that's the what the national media is? to get every benefit of the doubt. And I think part of it is... But other teams get nobody's, benefit nobody, The Broncos no, don't get... No, let, me, let me offer just a counterpoint to that real quick. The Broncos, on a national level, don't get the benefit of the doubt more sure than any other team. Sure why? Sure they do. Who? Who's giving... They're the, Super Bowl champions in 2015. That's why. You, you think there's That's people why. who look at it That's and say why. all... And at Sean this point, Payton is the head coach. Ago? Sean Payton is the Maybe head coach. Maybe Payton being... And Nathaniel Hackett was a great young head coaching prospect a year ago. And then Uncle Vic Fangio was the guy who had been, uh, although nobody ever really explained this, cheated out of a rightful opportunity to be an NFL head coach for more than three and a half decades. And Vance Joseph was a promising young coach. And he was the only candidate the Broncos considered. And I mean, it was John Elway. Since when did John Elway ever hire a bad coach? John Fox worked out fine. Gary Kubiak worked out even better. So why not take John Elway's word that Vance Joseph is a quote-unquote leader of men? We're all too gullible. But you think that We're as of now, national, whether it's athletic or the ESPN? And local. Oh, Sean Payton is God nationally. Nobody questioned it. it. Led by USA Today and Jarrett Bell. Sean Payton is God. I mean, no. Oh, criticize Sean Payton. Uh, Will... Take a look and listen. Sean Payton's a proven winner. However, pre-Bounty Gate Sean Payton was a hell of a lot more successful than post-Bounty Gate Sean Payton, who had a succession of seven and nine seasons. His last year at the helm, they start five and two. They proceed to lose five games in a row, and they go from being almost a surefire playoff team to dead in the water in a little more than a month. Um, What was different about the 21 team. Let's see. Sean Payton was still the coach. Oh, yeah. No, no, Drew Brees. Drew Brees was the quarterback. And I'm telling you, if Mike Shanahan, after John Elway, for the next decade, even having the seventh best record in the NFL, more than 30 teams, top 10, top seven record, oh, Shanahan's not really all that great. He can't win without Elway. I guarantee if he'd gone 9-7 and seven every year, he wouldn't have been the seventh-ranked team in most wins for a decade, 1999 through 2008. So Sean Payton, with Drew Brees, has a succession of seven and nine seasons post-Bounty Gate, and then in his last year he goes 9-8 and eight with a team that started 5-2, and two, playing out of the NFC South, which in – 2021 and last year was not exactly a juggernaut conference. Now, 2020, you had the world champions coming out of that division. And the Saints were good in 2020, went 12-4. and But then, 
41-year-old Drew Brees retired, and part of the reason he retired was because he missed a quarter of the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. And his body, much as Elway's body told him he was done in 1998, Drew Brees' body told him it was done in 2020. The difference was Mike Shanahan had a lot more success post-John Elway than Sean Payton had in 2021 with a team that started 5-2. and two. I mean, that's almost a Josh McDaniels-like collapse. You go from 5-2. and two, You tell me how many 5-2 and two teams can't even make the playoffs. Not too many. You started 5-2 and two and finished 9-8, and eight and they missed the playoffs. And you know what? Jameis Winston got hurt, and that was a bad break because he was off to a pretty good yeah, start. he was. But... Uh, you know, Taysom Hill's numbers weren't terrible. Simeon's numbers weren't terrible. You got Camaro, who's one of the five best backs in the league, both as a ball carrier and as a receiver. If you put the two together, he had nine touchdowns that year, four rushing, five as a receiver. Hill scored five touchdowns as a runner that year. Now, he only threw for four, but that's nine touchdowns from your quarterback who missed four games entirely during the 2021 season. It wasn't like he had nothing in New Orleans, and they were just another team. And we think the Broncos are going to go 9-8 and eight because Russell Wilson's going to play better than the three quarterbacks played in New Orleans that year or the guy who started the season as quarterback, Jameis Winston, who uh, finished with a uh, passer rating of well over 100, 102.8, and a 64.4 quarterback rating, which is quite good as opposed to what Russell Wilson did uh, last year. Uh, they talk about the Peyton offense. The Peyton offense is Eric Coriel. Yes. It's Eric Coriel. Sure. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any question about that, right? Is Not really. Uh, Drew Brees was terrific, as was Dan Fouts in an Eric Coriel offense. In fact, there are a lot of similarities between Dan Fouts, who didn't, necessarily have the greatest arm in the world, but was pinpoint with his accuracy, as was Drew Brees. I, I think that's a pretty fair correlation. Yeah, I do. I mean, you you had guys that had quick releases, uh, that did not move in the pocket. Uh, I, I think there are some comparisons, and I think that they've had success running it. And and when, when you compare Shanahan, of course, Shanahan, a, by the way, a uh, along with Dan Reeves, uh, could potentially be named a, a, a semifinalist for Hope the... So. Hall of oh, Fame. Hope he gets to be a finalist. My, uh, my, or at least. my guess, uh, yes, fine about the finalist. My guess is that out of that group, of which my understanding and the coach is a contributor, there can only be one of them. Uh, my guess, unfortunately, is that will be Robert Kraft this year rather than uh, well, Mike Shanahan Ro- or Dan. Kraft uh, is lobbying more on his own behalf than Mike Shanahan is on his sure. own well, behalf. I- and of course, Dan Reeves passed away recently and i don't know that there are many strong dan reeves advocates so i'd be surprised if dan reeves got in i hope dan gets in eventually i, I, think, I think he deserves, I think deserves to be it. in I do too. the pro football hall of fame uh mike shanahan won two super bowls here which uh no one else has done uh as a coach and so i think it goes without saying that if he doesn't get in this year he should at least be a finalist and he should get in within the next Two or three years, and I have no doubt that he he will get in. I don't think it's a matter of if Mike Shannon gets in. It's I think when he Mike went Shannon two gets straight in, but, 
Super Bowls or two, two straight, straight championships. championships. I, it's not many I, people that have ever done that. It, and you, you pointed out considered. as well in the years post John Elway, he still put up four 10 plus win seasons with the Broncos. That what people look at is only one but playoff. My, win my point, I know, I know, but it, they can't even get into the playoffs now. It was seven straight right. years. Oh, not, Can that, you that imagine wasn't, that wasn't meant as a denigration? No, no, I'm simply, I'm, just, I'm uh, Kevin Browning. I'm Kevin Browning time. this, okay? I'm just saying the numbers. No. That's all I'm but doing. I'm saying that it was, and you know this is true. He was denigrated for that, as a matter right. of fact. That was considered much, much, much more relevant to any and all observers, local right, and the national, number of playoff wins than, than yeah. the fact that he had the seventh best team in the league. From 1999 through 2008. Yeah, with his run with the Broncos. And uh, and he had one playoff win, but it was against a team that nobody else could beat up until that time. Belichick and Brady were undefeated in the postseason. And you say, well, they didn't win the Super Bowl every one of those years. No, the year they didn't win, they won three out of four. The year they didn't win, they didn't make the playoffs. So they didn't have a chance to lose a playoff game. They were 7-0 and as a tandem. Shanahan not only beat them in the playoffs, he had beaten them during the season. And in the playoff game, the two lead announcers for CBS at the time, Jim Nance and Phil Simms, all but said in their pregame response, order will be restored today. The Broncos have no chance. In the nine seasons in which Sean Payton had after Bounty Gate, uh, had five of those were 11 or better win seasons and four playoff wins in that span. But as you also pointed out, uh, three, seven, and nine seasons, not that that's disastrous, but three seasons of under 500. Mike Look Shanahan percentage in that span had, sure, but uh, Mike Shanahan only had uh, one uh, losing season, pardon me, two losing seasons, the first one after the retirement, six and 10 in 99. So two losing seasons in that span and two eight and eight seasons. So there are uh, something of, of, a comparable window, given the length of time in which to compare those those two, post uh, in one case post great quarterback, and in the other post bounty gate, but with great quarterback for the most part, and it, it does sort of raise the, I think profile of Mike Shanahan. It should, and I I think I I don't know what we necessarily learn about Sean Payton with it, but I think it is going to be interesting. To look at the idea, and maybe we can do that just in a moment here, that if you're looking at Sean Payton's first year with a new team, well, he's only been with one team. So trying to compare that with the first year, as you pointed out, some of the talent there, as opposed to his last yeah. year with a new team, totally different situation there. And, right. and we'll, we'll take a closer we'll, look at we'll that. We'll take a closer look. As an one idea. point very quickly before we break, lest we forget, the New Orleans Saints in 2005 did not play in New Orleans. They played at LSU. Mm-hmm. They played at Tiger Stadium. There was a hurricane right. called Katrina mm-hmm. that came through and wiped out their season in New Orleans in 2005. In 2006, I clearly remember Sean Payton's first game was a Monday nighter against the Atlanta Falcons, and it was one of the great Monday night events in the history of Monday night football. The Saints returning to what was then known as the Louisiana Superdome since Mercedes-Benz, Caesars, maybe Chick-fil-A now. I don't know how many more names you can put on it. But it was their first game in a couple of years at the Louisiana Superdome. And 
he rode that wave successfully. But if you're wondering how three and 13 turned into 10 and six, I would say Katrina was the main reason. We'll take a look at whether that opening season of 2006, the 2021 season might be more informative as we look at the Denver Broncos under Sean Payton. We'll do that next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. As we try to dissect what this Denver Broncos team will look like under Sean Payton, we understand what the uh, strengths are and what the weaknesses are. And the truth is your strengths are a defensive backfield. And your weaknesses are a lot of other things, quite frankly. Uh, the, The Broncos, if you're being honest and say, what are they better at than league average? provably it's defensive backfield and quite frankly, that's it. That's it. And so that's the challenge. So trying to figure out uh, when a coach joins a new team and how they work on elevating that team to a level in which they've had the kind of success before it can be tricky and it can be difficult depending on so many different situations that are even outside that coach's control. Well, Sean Payton has only coached one FL NFL team in his career, which is quite frankly, Uh, to his credit, given the length of time and the success that he had there in New Orleans. But it also makes it a little difficult to evaluate looking at some sort of previous record. Whereas you've had, we talked about Mike Shanahan earlier, uh, was hired as a head coach to take over a Moribund Raiders team at at the very first spot, that ill-fated voyage to to uh, the Raiders in 1988 started seven and nine and then one one and three in that second year before it's the uh, first time that Al Davis ever went outside the organization for a head coach right and decided he didn't like it so much but we also saw him join Washington and in those for in those four years with Washington after Denver uh, six and ten five and eleven ten and six and three and thirteen and some of those things uh, outside Mike Shanahan's control oh, just Dan like Snyder. there are things outside <laughs> So. And there are things outside of Sean Payton's control as well, especially on this version of the Denver Broncos. And so is it more informative, you think, Sandy, to look at that 2006 year? You talked a little bit about it before the break. Or is it more informative to look at the 2021 year where you don't have a a Hall of Fame quarterback? And maybe Russell Wilson will make it one day. Maybe he won't. But as of least last year, he wasn't playing like one. I, I think it might be 2021. Uh, as opposed to 2006. They went 9-8. and eight. They went 9-8 in 2021. Uh, in, in 05, they were 3-13. and 13. And you go back and, and look at that team, uh, they were even worse offensively than the Broncos were last year, uh, averaging less than 15 points per game. Yikes. But they played their season because of Katrina at Tiger Stadium on the campus of LSU. Uh, they won three games at Carolina. Uh, John Fox, the head coach of the Panthers at the time, uh, they won at home against Buffalo, and they won against the Jets in the Meadowlands. The quarterback was Aaron Brooks, uh, who, 
by any measure, was far worse than even Russell Wilson was right. last year and was sacked 33 times. Uh, they didn't have a rusher who gained even 660 yards on the ground. Uh, dreadful team. But also never had a true home game during that season. And uh, when I think of that, there are other examples of teams uh, for various reasons, being moved out of their home stadium, home field for, for a certain amount of time. And I think of growing up when Yankee Stadium was being refurbished and the Yankees had to move to Shea Stadium and the Giants moved the Yale Bowl. And if you know anything about the Northeast, you know that playing your games in the Bronx, even though the Giants weren't very good, is vastly preferable to playing all of your home games at the Yale Bowl when at least half of the sports fans in Connecticut hate your guts, hate your team. You're New York's team. You're playing in Connecticut. We hate you. We might come out and watch you and boo you. Yeah, when, when teams have like that come you. up, there's generally kind of a this year's kind of a wash mentality. Right. Yeah. So, naturally, Jim Haslett, who never had a very good head coaching record, he's dismissed, and Sean Payton is brought in. First-time head coach. And they go 10-6 and six the next year. And they not only do that, but in the divisional round of the playoffs, they win the division. Uh, they knock off the Eagles. And Andy Reid, 27 to 24, and they make it all the way to the NFC Championship game. And there's good news and bad news in that. The good news, obviously, is that uh, they uh, made the year after going three and 13, the NFC Championship game. And they were playing on the road. That's where the good news stops. Rex Grossman. Yes, I repeat, Rex Grossman who was in that game hideously bad, took the Bears, with considerable assistance, of course, from his defense and special teams, to the Super Bowl on the wave of a 39-14 to blowout against the Saints. Not an auspicious finish to that season. Uh, they started 5-1, and one and then they faded much as they did in 2021. So that's the, the common thread between 2006 and 2021, Peyton's first year in New Orleans, last year in New Orleans. Great starts both years, mediocre to lousy finishes. They finished 6-6, six and six, playoff games included, in 2006. 2020, Peyton's last winning year and his last playoff year, Saints go 12-4. and four. They average over 30 points a game. Wonderful year. Uh, they beat Chicago in the wild card round 21 to nine, and then somewhat oddly get blasted uh, again, this time in the divisional round by the Bucks. That's a Bucks Super Bowl year, admittedly, when, but the Bucks started winning on the in the playoffs uh, on the road with a win in uh, what was then the Mercedes Men's Superdome 30 to 20. Breeze admittedly was feeling his years. Uh, all 41 of them in 2020 
had a nice year, completed 70.5% of his passes, but did not throw for 3,000 yards. 24 touchdown passes, six interceptions, fine there. 7.5 yards, uh, well below his career norm. Uh, 7.5 yards per pass attempt. But a passer rating more than respectable, 106.4, and a QBR of 68.3, quite good. Uh, Drew Brees is always good at avoiding sacks. He played 12 games that year, and he was only sacked 13 uh, times. That's pretty good. They had Kamara, uh, who ran for 756 yards. Uh, I'm sorry, caught 83 passes for 756 yards, ran for 932 more yards. Uh, Alvin Kamara in 2020 might have been the best all-around back in the NFL. They had some guy named Latavius Murray. Mm -hmm. Whatever happened to him Mm -hmm. uh, at the age of 30, who picked up 656 yards on the ground, averaging four and a half yards per carry and caught 23 passes coming out of the backfield uh, and had uh, four touchdowns rushing, touchdown receiving that year. And, oh, yes, Tyson Hill wasn't a very good passer, but, wow, 87 carries for 457 yards and eight rushing touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry, caught eight passes for 98 yards, almost 12 and a half yards per reception, and he caught one touchdown. So eight touchdowns plus one uh, that year for Hill, um, just as a receiver and a rusher, uh, that, that's an excellent team. And you, then they start five and two the next year. And nobody's talking about Sean Payton being burned out or leaving at the end of the year, at least that I can remember. But boy, the talk sure started up when they lost the next five games in a row after that so i i'm saying i he's winning seasons both ways one coming off a three and 13 but the other coming off a 12 and four and it it produced kind of the odd reaction in new orleans that a guy who had been a highly successful coach for 15 years and even after Bounty Gate had some good years, as you mentioned earlier, that uh, the reaction to his leaving at the end of the year was kind of, yeah, you know, it's about time. And that happens. <laughs> Which was an odd reaction for a guy who went 21 and 12 his last two years. Yeah, but, it, it, but that... Not 500, 21 and 12. Mike Shannon went 500 the last three years. And I think people, the Broncos very much included, got tired of Mike. And Mike's drafts weren't great. Sean Payton had the advantage of having someone else to blame if draft picks are the Broncos making, and I understand the title isn't necessarily the same, but what ended up, I think, to a certain extent, doing Mike Shanahan in was the idea that there was mediocrity and he was running the whole show. You and, and there I, were turf battles and inside the organization. If Sean Mike Payton is not running the whole mm-hmm. show next year, if George Payton's even around next season, I think you and I will both be not only, not only surprised, yeah. but stunned. Yes. yes. But uh, I, I are think, the Broncos uh, making a mistake doing this again? I, I'm not even saying that letting Mike Shanahan go was the worst mistake the Broncos could have made. Because it, it, they were inextricably tied. No, GM I think the and mistake coach is you're were putting all that power tied. into one person. Well, but that wasn't why he was fired. No. I don't think. I think the main reason he was fired was because Pat Bowen, uh, in perhaps the early stages of Alzheimer's during that period of time, 
had, as you point out, given Mike Shanahan an extraordinary amount of power. And Pat Bowen, for three years, is coming into his office, and he's hearing about all these turf battles. Right. And Mike Shanahan's not able but to put a stop to him. Mm-hmm. And I think Pat Bowen's reaction was, Mike, I gave you all this power. And all I hear about every day when I come in infighting. here is all this infighting going on. Yeah. And by the way, we're a 500 team. What's going on? And that's and that, of course, ends up being the uh, biggest part. Just saying, you know, people tolerate things yeah. when there's winning. And when there's losing, the, the tolerance is infinitely shorter. And so that's uh, part of the, the challenge there. The idea of which all that power. And right now, keep in mind, the Broncos have not actually done that. George Payton is the GM, although Sean Payton has kind of done his best to minimize at least publicly, what Peyton actually has done <laughs> yeah. since he's come into the yeah. building at one point saying his well, only job with trades is to pick up a phone and tell to them no. Elway and Brian Sanders. Yes. To, to an extent. Very much so. Yes. Um, Brian Sanders was the, the GM of the Broncos when the Broncos made their highest ever pick, number two in the draft, and they selected Von Miller. The Broncos would have selected whoever was available at two, whether that was Cam Newton or Von Miller. But uh, Von Miller ended up being the the player that was there, and they made that selection. And for a very long time, uh, a lot of the counter-arguments against when people started pointing out that some of Elway's drafts were less than spectacular was, but he drafted Von Miller. Kind of. He ran the show, but he had had a full GM there. But if you go back to 2013, when Von Miller had... The drug issue that caused a suspension, mm-hmm. and then he wrecked his knee, and then he showed up at the Seattle Super Bowl celebration party after the Broncos had taken a 43-8 to licking in 2013, and John Elway, to his credit, did something about that after 2013. Mm-hmm. He was not happy. Uh, I don't think he was thrilled with Vaughn Miller, but he had other issues, and that was the point at which he said being so heavily tilted toward offense as opposed to defense, eh, that ain't going to work. We have to restore some balance. And gradually the defense got better over the next couple of years. And frankly, the offense declined mm-hmm. uh, almost as much as the defense improved. But in 2015, in that particular year, you could win yes. with a team whose strength was clearly on defense. In that particular and not year. So much in on fact, offense. if you look in at the Super Bowls prior and, and since, the Broncos are almost uniquely anomalous in the sort of overall ranking of their defense and their offense and still being Super Bowl champions. For a long time, I think the organization took away the wrong message from that win. They were actually a bit ahead of the curve in 2013. If the Broncos off a 2013 offense was the Broncos 2023 offense, they'd be right there with the Chiefs as yes, the favorites to win and, the Super Bowl. And I think you could regardless argue, of what their defense looked you like. You could argue. I mean, Vaughn's suspension was his own fault. His injury though was not. Of course not, yeah. And then Derek Wolf uh, had an episode in in 2013 that took him out. Chris Harris uh Thought he could have come back in the playoffs. The Broncos didn't agree, but he was out for the entire uh, playoff season. Uh, the Broncos were still favored in some quarters to beat Seattle, but uh, you saw 
in the first few moments of that game that Seattle had a lot of defensive answers to the Broncos' offense. And, of course, Seattle's offense could basically have its way with Denver's defense. You go back and look at the starting lineup defensively for the Broncos that day, and I guarantee you there are two or three guys who started that game that you may have forgotten about. (laughs) You forgot that they ever played here, much less started in a Super Bowl for Denver. So, uh, listen, I, I, I think adaptability is great. And Sean Payton, to his credit, won with offensive juggernauts in New Orleans, and he also won particularly late in his coaching tenure with defense. For example, that last year, the Saints were 19th in scoring. Their scoring defense is fourth in the NFL. But by 2021, as we all know, scoring was the name of the game. Right, exactly. And And you uh, could have a top-five defense and still miss the playoffs, giving up less than 20 points per game. And you could score 21.4, which was close to average last year in the NFL, by the way. And in 2021... That made you the 19th best offensive team in the NFL out of 32. Now, last year, and I missed this point a few weeks ago when we were talking with Eric, scoring was actually down and significantly down last year in 2022. But still, I think in at least three divisions, you could take a look at the standings, and it went right down the line. Best offense finished first, second best offense second, third best offense, third, and worst offense, dead last. You know what helps with the offense? Guys that can actually get you three points when you're supposed to get three points. We'll take a look at the Broncos' kicking situation when we return to Miles Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Yeah, I, with Elliot, it was just a poll. It's it's nothing significant, um, and we'll go day to day with with where we're at with the kickers. I've said this to you guys before. You know, um, Brett had a good day today. He's competing. He's competing with himself because he's got 31 other teams. Now, there's probably seven teams that have a a real kicking battle. And so he's competing with the, those guys that come out of those clubs. Um, and that doesn't discount us, possibly, if we wanted to bring in another player. Well, that can't be much more clear. That is Sean Payton today talking about the kicking situation. Elliot Fry, who made the 55-yarder in the opening loss to Seattle last Friday on the preseason opener for the Broncos in Arizona, uh, waived Jake Landher, the fourth uh, added as a competition at long snapper, indicating that at least uh, Sean Payton would like to continue perhaps improving at that position as well. Lander, actually a rather decorated player in college, so an interesting uh, addition this late in the game. Presumably, if they were delighted with Mitchell Fraboni, they wouldn't be bringing someone in. Generally, when there's one of you in camp, of which coming into this camp, there was Riley Dixon at punter and Mitchell Fraboni at long snapper. If they bring... 
someone in to compete with you after you were the only one when camp started, that's not a great sign. But don't take for a moment that this is a great sign for Brett Maher because what the Broncos did when they brought in both of these kickers, and Elliot Fry, by the way, was listed as a co-starter on the depth chart, the one the Broncos have released thus far. The idea was Maher, who was just outside the top 10 in accuracy last year in the regular season among kickers, could maybe get over the case of the yips, for lack of a better term, and be a good kicker for the Broncos. And I think that's possible. But they saw things that were concerning, both a miss and a, and a blocked field goal attempt, which did not appear to be anybody's fault but Mars. It didn't elevate the ball enough. And I think that quote from Peyton made it very clear that when he talked about him competing with the other 31 teams, saying that, look, your spot on the team is not at all secure. We are clearing the deck for you this week. And if it doesn't get done, we may look in another direction. Place kicker is the one position. Your leading scorer every year. In which age tends not to matter very much. However, in Brett Maher's case, it makes you a little nervous. When at age 33... He goes 29 for 32 on field goals during the regular season last year for Dallas. And that happens to be a percentage slightly higher than the career percentage of Justin Tucker, about whom we spoke at length yesterday. He's maybe the most dominant player at his position in the NFL today. It was a little bit unsettling, though, to see that he missed three extra points last year. And then he missed five extra points in the playoff game. One blocked and four misses, yep. That's a lot. And that's and that's the most recent performance. And they weren't even particularly close. I think one grazed the upright as it was sliding off to the right. It hit the right upright. The look on his face as that was going on, not just at the end, but as it was going on, was a look you never want to see from a kicker. And the Dallas Cowboys concluded he's done. And that, that look, to my mind, done. was, I don't know what's wrong. And Troy Aikman, who every now and then comes up with a real gem. After, to his credit, Joe Buck has said, listen, you feel for the guy. And Troy Aikman jumps right in and says... Dallas Cowboys got to be looking for a new kicker next week. It, it, this is and this was during the playoffs. This is during the playoffs. He's saying next find, find week when they right play now. San Francisco, yeah, they need to have Sign a new somebody kicker. off the street, completely, throw them in a uniform. Completely contradicting Buck, right? Completely kind of which Treitman generally does not do. Nope. And they they're a good team. They work well together. The chemistry between them is good. He stepped right in and basically said bullspit, bullspit. I don't, you, teams, is it, his point was, teams don't have the luxury of feeling bad. Maybe as an observer, you feel for him, but Troy Aikman looked at the body language and he looked at the expression on his face. This guy's done, at least here. And the problem with being 33, even for a place kicker, is when you get the yips, you, you don't, lose the it's, it's like a putter 
in his 40s, a player in his 40s. That's why Lucas Glover you, you can hang is in. one of the miraculous stories in sports because in his 40s, after an entire career spent being known as one of the worst, if not the worst putters on the PGA Tour, all of a sudden, in the last two weeks, He's putting like Nicholas and Woods in their respective primes. And he's into his 40s. Vijay Singh was a big winner in his 40s. Vijay Singh was, even when winning, a below-average putter who putted the same way that Lucas Glover putts now. Lucas Glover had the yips not just for a little while, for years and years and years. He won a U.S. Open once. Now, one week he overcame him. The Maher is 33, and he still on Friday night looked like a guy with the yips. And Sandy, the man he replaced, Brandon McManus, is younger. Younger. So the idea that the, the Broncos were looking at the, the tenure of McManus thinking, well, he must have Said he had it. one of his worst seasons. We're done. He's we're younger than on. Mar. Right. He's 32, and right. he did make $3 million last year, but this year he's and making decision, $1 million. That and decision was, was made one by and the and coaching half. staff. Right. And look, it is obvious at this point that that was an error in judgment because even an off year for Brandon McManus was more consistent than what you've seen sure. from Mar of oh, late. Sure. And it does beg the question... Given that the Broncos currently have, give or take, $9 million left on the salary cap to spend, which you want because the wrong injury happens at the wrong time, you need that flexibility. But if Brandon McManus is playing for a cap number of $2 million this year in Jacksonville, presumably he would have done so in Denver or close to it, was all of this worth it to save a $1 million? And if it wasn't, why'd you cut Brandon McManus? Because he was the player rep. And Sean Payton is not used to being is used to being the only voice in the room to being on any level challenged by a player rep and i say on any level i understand anything to by do with his kicker. pain but the, the kicker is a player rep um Sean Payton is certainly well aware that the kicker had his issues with two previous head coaches, not Correct. just one, Nathaniel Hackett and Vic Fangio. Nathaniel Hackett both. was apparently one of the worst coaches in history compared to, for, according to Sean Payton. Correct. So why would he have a problem but, if McManus had a problem with him? Sean Payton knows that a man he greatly respects, Vic Fangio, had even more yeah. of a problem. They didn't like with, each other. Just that with simple. With Brandon McManus. So, listen, uh, you know, a lot of Sean Payton stuff, you know, Starters play, starting quarterbacks play in the first preseason game. Um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong in the sense that I'm making a value judgment here, but I guess I kind of admire the fact that of the 32 starting quarterbacks, presumed starting quarterbacks, and Anthony Richardson was declared uh, the gold starter yep, today. By Shane Steichen, the other new head coach. So it's pretty clear who the 32 starting quarterbacks are going to be. Sure. Only 13 of them played out of 32 in week one of the exhibition season. And Bill Belichick, who is not a patient man with inquiries of this nature, 
under the best of circumstances, was asked by Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe yesterday, why did you hold out Mac Jones? Mahomes played. Russell Wilson played. Watson played. Lawrence played. Carr played. Fields played. Love played. And Bill Belichick, again, not a patient man under the best of circumstances, all but said, are you crazy? Far more quarterbacks who start don't play in the first preseason game than those who do play. Mm -hmm. So why, why you, you just named seven of the 13 who did play. Which is roughly just a little more than a third of the league. That's it. 60%, almost 60%, 59.5% to be exact, of the starting quarterbacks did not play in week one of the exhibition season. Only a little bit better than 40.5% did play. For the record, Brandon McManus last year, 8 for 13 from 50. That was five of his misses, but those are still, by the way, that's even, a bad year even 50 for him. plus, that's still by most coaches considered if not a coin toss, it's it's still not a money field goal. He right. missed three of his 23 attempts from within 40. Yeah, and that's bad. And that was a tendency. Or, I should say within 50, a, sorry. A weakness. 50. But, but it, the fact remains, My point over is, the years, a bad year for a him. McManus weakness was missing too many of the field goals 45 and in. It, that was a weakness. However... Last year, how's it looking today? Was at worst average by NFL kicking standards, and they caught him for a guy with the yips. For the Denver Broncos, now uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, Brandon McManus, however, is on a playoff team already. He's part of Jacksonville, and uh, we'll see who'll be going forward. In that regard, the Broncos' kicking woes will continue. We have an opportunity next to talk about a really special event that happened last week. It's been going on for a long time in Colorado. raises a lot of money for needy families. Aaron Pulling, the CEO of the Food Bank of the Rockies, will join us next on Miley Sports. 